In this video, I'm gonna cover the second set of five mistakes uh, people make when going into HMOs. If you haven't seen the first video, make sure you watch that, then watch this, then you'll have top 10 mistakes that people make, and I'm hoping you're then going to avoid those mistakes. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax-saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. This is video two of two videos where I cover for you the common mistakes I see people making when they are working with HMOs. HMO stands for house and multiple occupation. In video one, which you can see here, I cover the five first mistakes. In this video, I'm gonna cover the next five, so you'll have 10 in total. Number six, not doing the calculations. Before you invest in an HMO property, it's advisable, strongly advisable, that you calculate all the rental income and the expected expenditure, and obviously you'll work out the profit and the cash flow, because that's imperative. You need to know those figures, and if you haven't done this before, uh, speak to an agent uh, who works in the area, and they can assist and support you. Now, the expenses are quite vast, uh, so you'll need to have a detailed breakdown of all those different expenses, and make sure you cover everything in detail, uh, and you'd rather overstate the expenses uh, so that there's no surprises. Now, when you set out the rent, obviously you can look at what the uh, market price is, but also look at what you're offering in your property and also have a consideration uh, of your expenses uh, because you're in this business to make money at the end of the day, uh, but you're also here to obviously provide a good service, so it needs to be a balance. Number seven, not paying attention to maintenance and repairs responsibly. Uh, now, some landlords sometimes do put off things, but most are very good. They understand and appreciate the value of repairing and renovating their property on a regular basis, uh, because if you do that, then there'll be less major work to do as you go on, and you'd rather spend, let's say, 2,000 pounds every single year, rather than spending 10,000 pounds at year five, uh, because that's gonna cause you cash flow issues. Now, HMOs, generally speaking, require more maintenance than a single buy to let, and that's for obvious reasons, because you've got more tenants, and there's more people coming in, going out, therefore there's going to be more wear and tear, as we call it, in the business. So you need to make sure you're on top of that, you're, you've got either a, a handy man or a handy woman or someone looking after the property, or you've got a builder who can look at what the repairs are required, working with your agent, and get those done. And some agents obviously have their own contacts, so they'll do those for you. And these are, can be small things like changing the light bulbs to more significant things, uh, like checking the smoke alarms, making sure they're working, replacing the batteries, and all other maintenance and repairs, which are extremely important. And so if you have a procedure where your uh, agent, if you have one, or you have a checklist and you check through every single month just to make sure A, you're compliant, because that's important, but B, have a good thorough look at the property uh, to make sure everything's in working order, and if anything needs repairing, do it there and then, 
because that's going to be better for you in the long run. And of course, if you repair your properties uh, and keep them up to a good standard, it's more likely that your tenants will stay with you longer if the property becomes shoddy, uh, isn't loved, needs a lot of TLC. Why would somebody want to stay in that property? They'll move somewhere else where there's uh, a property in a much better condition. One of the bugbears for tenants is that a bathroom uh, usually isn't a good standard or isn't uh, repaired and maintained properly. So make sure you focus on that. The toilets and the bathroom, shower room should be a tip-top condition and make sure uh, you review that on a regular basis. Now, because you'll have more than one tenant, uh, different people have obviously different requirements and different expectations. Uh, so uh, with a single let, you might get away, for example, of with not doing something for a week because you've been busy as long as it's not something major, like the heating doesn't work. With an HMO, because you've got so many different people to manage, the last thing you want or, you, or your agent wants is five tenants ringing them up to say uh, something's not working. That's not good for anybody. So you need to be more uh, on the game basically uh, to make sure that repairs and maintenance uh, are two things that are done on a much regular basis than you would do compared to a single let. And also bear in mind you're fully aware of TV uh, licenses so if you've got one single tenancy uh, then you need one license but if you've got separate tenancies uh, for separate individuals which is most likely then every single tenant needs a separate license. Now, whether that's your responsibility or the tenant's responsibility, that's something you need to sort out with them. But be sure that you're clear on who's paying for what and whose responsibility it is. Now, in terms of bills, uh, some HMO landlords uh, include those bills in the cost of rent, such as water, gas, broadband, electricity, uh, which is unlike most single lets, where obviously the, the tenant pays, it's easier uh, for the landlord with HMOs to look after that. Now sometimes you may wish to pass things on to tenants. I can tell you that's going to be difficult and awkward because you've got one supply meter uh, usually. Uh, unless you have a purpose-built HMO then you might obviously separate it out and then trying to uh, ask every single tenant to pay, let's say if there's five tenants, 20% each. One says I use more, the other one says I use less. And it just goes on and on and on. So you're better off, I'd say, including the bills in the rent so it's all very clear. Number eight, getting it wrong on rental demand. Now, lots of investors who are new don't usually check to make sure there's enough demand uh, in the particular area that they're investing in. And this is usually down to lack of experience and lack of research. So you need to make sure that you check how many HMOs are in the area, what demand is there, what kind of income you're going to generate, is it the right area to have an HMO, are there lots of HMOs there already, uh, in which case maybe choose a different area. So you need to go out there, do the research. Once of course you've got your gold mine area or a particular area that you invest in, then it's going to make it easier for you. But for your first or second one, or when you're going into a new area, make sure you check everything properly. You're fully aware of the demand. You're fully aware of how many HMOs there are. You're fully aware of the regulations so that you don't, you're not caught by any surprises. Because the last thing you want to do is buy a property, convert it to an HMO, and then find out there's no demand for it, or you got it wrong in the, or in the wrong area, uh, or there's too many HMOs there, and it's gonna cause you problems. Now, just because you've converted a property into an HMO, it doesn't mean it's gonna give you your anticipated return. I can't stress enough how important it is for you to do your research and make sure you know that there are enough people, there's enough demand in the, that area for people who are looking for an HMO. Now, sometimes people ask, should I invest 
in a town or should I invest in a village? Now, part of this, of course, uh, considering the population density of the particular area or the size of the town or the size of the village, that is important. Now, some landlords self-manage the HMOs, some use agents. Both can work well. Of course, if you're working with an agent, uh, they'll usually be local, they'll be familiar with the area, they can help and guide and advise you. But generally speaking, most HMOs uh, are more in the urban areas as opposed to rural areas and inner cities. Uh, so that's where they tend to work better for different reasons, including amenities. And people are working usually in the town center or then near public transport. Uh, so you'll, you'll see most HMOs in and around town centers. Now, if you're investing in a small town, sometimes there isn't enough demand. And it can be difficult uh, to have a property cash flow. And you might find that your expected returns are a lot less than you anticipated if you haven't done your research properly. Uh, so I'm not saying you have to invest in bigger towns, but generally speaking, uh, in bigger towns, there's more footfall, there's a higher population, uh, therefore the, there's, there's more demand. There might be more supply as well, by the way, so you need to make sure you go in an area where there's enough demand uh, and uh, supply is reasonable or, or not enough, so you can obviously supply those properties. And it's a simple case of doing the numbers, working out the demand, working out people, working out what businesses are there, looking at the infrastructure to make sure that your HMO is going to work. Number nine is not knowing the maximum rental price for the area. Now, another big mistake is not understanding the ceiling price uh, for rentals in a particular area because you may not be familiar with the area or you may have just moved into it or someone mentioned it somewhere and you thought this is a good area to invest in and you haven't done the research. And it's not a simple case of saying, okay, I'm gonna have five rooms, I'm gonna charge 100 pounds per, per room per week, so I'll have 500 pounds a week times 52 and this is how much uh, income I'm going to get. Uh, it doesn't work like that, there's always void periods, sometimes some tenants might not pay, sometimes the rooms might be empty longer than you thought, uh, so you need to take into account all of those things and a good agent will be able to help and support you with that. So you go into it with your eyes open. The general uh, rule of thumb is uh, overstate your expenses, understate your income, uh, so you're being very prudent, uh, and then hopefully when you have actually get to the end of the year, uh, the rental income will be higher and the cost will be there or lower than what you anticipated, so you'll have a much better off position than you thought you'd have at the start of the year because you were prudent. Now, of course, no matter how well you've done up the property, there's always going to be competition in a given area, uh, which is going to dictate your ceiling price, and to go over that is going to be difficult. Now, if your property is in a much better condition, of course, you can charge more rent because more people will be interested in staying in your property, and because you've invested more in it, therefore, it's of more value to people, and they're more likely to take up that property. But setting standards is great and it's important. But once you've done that, then you need to make sure going forward, you maintain that standard too. And having uh, ensuite rooms uh, usually helps. People prefer that. They don't want to be sharing uh, uh, showers or bathrooms with others. Uh, and even if you can have a, a kitchenette, that also helps as well. And you need to do the numbers because if, let's say, you're charging 500 pounds uh, for a HMO room and a one-bedroom flat is 600 pounds a month, why would somebody want to stay with you to rent a room and share with other people 
but they can pay £100 extra and have a one-bedroom flat. So check out these things before you go into an HMO and into an area so you can compare the cost of a uh, one-bedroom flat compared to your room. And number 10, as obvious as it sounds, is choosing the wrong location for an HMO. Now choosing the right location uh, is very key uh, in terms of getting enough demand for your property and if it's in the right place uh, the rooms will be emptier for less time there'll be more demand people will want to stay in the property longer and of course if it's done up to a good standard then then they're most likely going to stay there longer if it's uh, close to public transportation universities good infrastructure good infrastructure uh, close to some of the larger employers it's more likely that there will be more demand for that particular uh, property. If it's in a remote location, it's less likely there'll be more demand for it. But there can be a situation, of course, uh, where certain people might want uh, to stay outside of the town center. And again, it's horses for courses. It's about knowing what you're looking for, knowing what the tenants are looking for, and then creating a, a good match. Now, in most town centers, HMOs are a good business model. They work really well for those landlords who've got their finger on the pulse, uh, who make sure that they are, they've done their research, they do their property up to good standard, they do regular repairs and maintenance, they look after their tenants, and they make sure their properties are tip-top and that everybody who lives in that HMO uh, is catered for. Now, that might sound really obvious 101 stuff that everybody thinks they should do but what people think they should do and what people people actually do end up being two very different things so i'd say if you're doing an hmo it's more involved it needs more management uh, and it's it's more costly in terms of repairs and maintenance so it's more hands-on so as long as you're up for that you're going to be fine if you want to have pure passive income then an hmo might not be the best thing for you i'm not saying it isn't but it might not be the best thing for you, you might be better off doing single leads. And of course you can have a, a, an agent who specializes in HMOs and they take over all that work for you so you have minimal headache, but finding that agent isn't always easy. Now don't just jump into an area because you've had six different people tell you a particular area works well, so you think, oh, I'll go there. Uh, just because it works for them, it doesn't mean it's gonna work for you. And if lots of people are telling you HMOs are working well in a particular area, they're telling other people as well so the more people are probably creating hmos in that area so it might not be as good as you thought it was when you were initially told about it so do your own research uh, understand the area uh, down to the street level the demand how things are working what the council is doing what the regulation is so that you're on top of the game so now you've got the top 10 mistakes people make i hope you find at least one that's going to be useful to you if you're already doing hmos by the way feel free to post a comment below on some of the mistakes that either you've made or you've seen other people make if you're new to property and looking to go into hmos and you've got further questions again post them in the comments below i'll be happy to answer them if you like the video as always click like so i know this is the type of content you want and click subscribe so that you get notified every time i upload a new video thanks for listening to wealth made simple you can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.